Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. Ever since I moved from Southern California to here, along with my family a couple years ago, you guys know because I've told you before, I've been in a battle with my lawn, right? I've talked about this. And with my lawn mowers. I've had challenges and I've tried to figure it out. I have multiple lawn mowers, and I've just, I, I'm kind of like a city boy trying to figure it out. I'm becoming a country boy. Can, so I'm, I'm getting there. I'm figuring out how to do the lawn. And the thing I've learned is when my equipment works right, it's actually really fun to do the lawn because it works well. The lawn looks beautiful. But when the equipment does, doesn't look right, it can be uh, quite frustrating. And recently, doing our lawn has become kind of a family thing. So you'll see here a picture of just uh, the other day. I was cutting the lawn, and for about... 10 minutes straight, my son there, Clay, who's uh, pushing two years old, he just followed me around doing the lawn for like 10 minutes. It was, it was the greatest thing ever. It gave new purpose to doing the lawn. And every time we would get close a little bit, we would fist bump and I would just keep going. And he was like, all right, my dad, he was following in my footsteps. And every time we go in the garage now, he, he points to the lawnmower and he wants to cut it. You can't see it in the picture, but the girls were out playing uh, in the cul-de-sac as well. Jess was out there. It's like a family affair. And my oldest has actually really, I think all three of these girls here have been asking me, when can I cut the lawn? And so uh, soon I'll be training them and teaching them how to cut the lawn. What do you think, Nessa? Maybe. Uh, what do you think? Novi, I know for sure. What do you think, Kenzie? Any kids here cut your lawn yet? Let me see your hand. Oh, ooh, we got two right here. Anybody else? Okay, <laughs> we have heads falling. No, why are you doing this? Uh, a few weeks ago, I was cutting it, and I was in the backyard. I was making good progress, and then I, I thought the, the blade got messed up, and it kind of died on me. So the other one had already stopped working, and now my second one, my backup, wasn't working. So I went inside, and I said, the gear's not working, and I was frustrated. And my 10-year-old, Novi, said, did you check the gas? And I was like, it's not the gas. It's, it's, it's other stuff. And then, and then I kind of paused for a second, and Jess and I looked at each other, and so I kind of slipped back outside, and I went out. And I opened it up, and lo and behold, dry. There is no gas in it. I had never run out of gas before. It doesn't run out of gas. So she, I, I'm humbled again by my children. And you learn something, that mowing your lawn on empty does not work. That's an easy amen in church. That's an easy amen. It's a basic principle. You have to put gas in the lawnmower, or it doesn't work. So if running on empty doesn't work for a lawnmower or a car or anything else like that, why do we sometimes think it'll work for our life. Sometimes we run on empty, we're tired, we're exhausted, we're depleted, and we feel like we have nothing left, and we just keep going, thinking our life will continue to work while we run on empty. A few indications that you might be running on empty. If physically you're saying, I'm always tired, I can't sleep, I can't get enough sleep, my blood pressure is high, I'm always having headaches. Or if psychologically you're saying, I'm fighting any change, I've lost all flexibility, I'm cynical, I'm negative, I'm emotionally exhausted, I feel out of control emotionally, I'm irritable, I'm impatient, I struggle to make even the smallest decisions, I'm worried and anxious. You guys know this, with our loved ones, sometimes when you're frustrated with your loved ones, it's not them that you're actually frustrated with, it's your own exhaustion and depletion and you're taking it out on people. Or maybe behaviorally, you're saying, I've lost enthusiasm for my job or my marriage or my friendships or my kids or my ministry. Or maybe I'm using alcohol or drugs or prescription drugs to cope or maybe entertainment or food or I'm struggling to focus and concentrate. I'm withdrawing and isolating. In the pandemic, it's been 
easy to isolate and those that struggle with that already are, are, are sadly sometimes doing it even more. Spiritually, I'm questioning my faith and my values. I'm not interested in church or ministry. I'm spending less time in prayer and seeking God and reading the scripture. I'm spending less time in church than I used to. That's all of us to a degree, obviously. I am impatient with the spiritual progress of others or I blame others and make excuses for my own lack of spiritual growth. Some of us find ourselves right there, right now with some of those challenges. The question is, what do we do about this? Because it's a dangerous way to live. It's a dangerous choice to keep trying to go on empty with all of those symptoms gradually taking over our life. The world would say this is where you can just quit, where you drop out, or you just need a vacation. But how many of you guys know even the greatest vacation in the world is not a solution when you're actually deeply weary and depleted? Because guess what happens? You get back from vacation, and it might be even worse because you spent all your money, and now the anxiety is even worse. So what is the long term solution. How do we deal with this? I want to look at a promise today just for a few minutes called the promise of renewed strength. It's a familiar verse and we're going to actually look at most of the chapter, but let's look at the main part of it first. Isaiah 40, 30 to 31. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Now I'm gonna invite my wife, Jessica, to come on up. Give her a hand. Kids and everybody, yep, come on up. I need everybody to stand up. Everybody, wherever you're seated, stand up. This is adults too. So at Graceland Kids, they do some special things with scripture and we're gonna teach you how to do motions to this scripture. So whatever motion Jessica tells you to do, you must do it. And at the same time, speak the scripture out loud. So here we go. Let me set her up. The first part is, but those who hope in the Lord. Okay, so we're going like, to go like this. We're going to say, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. All right, that's the first part. The next part is they will soar on wings like eagles. And we're just going to look like this. Ooh, they will soar on wings like eagles. The next part is they will run and not grow weary. So we're going to run and not grow weary, okay? And then the last part is they will walk and not be faint. And then for the reference, we're going to say Isaiah. So we're going to open our Bible, Isaiah 40, 31, okay? So let's put that all together. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Isaiah 40, 31. Very good. Give yourselves a hand. Very good. All right, you guys can take a seat. Now, I fully expect for everyone online and everyone here to do this before you go to bed tonight with all the motions with your family and do it while looking in the mirror. It'll make you feel really cool. Let me give you some context here for the rest of the verse. Uh, Isaiah was written about 700 years before the birth of Christ. Now, pay attention on this context because it really helps us understand the significance of the promise. They were significant challenges for God's people. There were wars, 
there was destruction and rebellion. And eventually after years, there was invasion and the region was conquered by Babylon. So they were in a conquered land. Being a Jew in Babylon was incredibly difficult. They were forced to live outside of Judah as exiles, away from home, living in captivity. And the people of God were living on empty. We sometimes forget that the context of scripture is from an oppressed people. A lot of us can identify because we've spent quite a bit of time at home living in captivity as a result of shutdown. You know what it's like to be exiled from family, friends, and community more than maybe we did four months ago. But our situation is short term and we still have some control over it. The Israelites didn't have any control over this. They were beginning to doubt God's power. You may be there yourself. Where is God? I thought he was all powerful. How could he let this happen? So when we're asking those same questions, we can look to Isaiah 40, verse 26. It says, lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Look at this picture of the nighttime sky. How many of you guys love just looking at the sky and looking at the stars? Isn't it amazing when you get out away from all the lights of society, how many stars you can see? I, I love it because it, it causes us to stop and to behold the greatness of God, the power of God. Reading on in verse 26, lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. So Isaiah, it wasn't that he just loved looking at stars. It was a reminder to the people of God that when you're running on empty, number one, every time you doubt God's power, look up. And not, don't just think of it metaphorically. You should just actually walk outside and look up and behold the greatness of God. It reminds us as followers of Jesus that our God is transcendent and is literally larger than life. Scripture says that he knows every star he put in place. He knows every galaxy. And the more we find out, the more we see this expanding universe, he knows it all. He created it all. And at the same time, he knows you and he knows every hair on your head. So when you look up, you remember, I'm not forgotten. When you look up, you remember I'm not abandoned. And like we talked about last week, there are no dead ends in the kingdom of God. And we remind ourselves of that when we look up. Continuing in verse 27. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. They're basically saying, God, why have you forgotten us? How could you let this happen? Verse 28, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. Now, it helps to understand this context too. In biblical times, they had various gods and goddesses that, that, that they viewed as having human weaknesses. So these false gods could get tired. They could get hungry. They could get so exhausted that they would ignore the events happening on earth. But we read, continuing in verse 28 and 29, about the everlasting God. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. And so just a principle for number two, our God is everlasting. You can make that personal and say, my God that I serve is ever 
lasting. He never grows weary. The definition of weary is exhausted in strength, endurance, vigor, or freshness. Having one's patience, tolerance, or pleasure exhausted. You know, one of the ways that I have learned in a deeper way, like a heart level, that God is everlasting and he doesn't grow weary is because of how he treats me in my relationship with him. Think about the Lord's unbelievable patience with us. He sees everything about us. He knows us and he loves us. He knows every little thing about you. He knew everything about you when you were in second or third grade. (laughs) He knew everything about you in middle school. He knew everything about you in high school, in college. He knows everything about you as a senior. See, he knows everything about you. He knows it all. He knows everything. Think about that. This living God, it can be kind of scary. The thunder reminds us of that sometimes. We're like, whoa. I remember feeling earthquakes. You know, I've been in a number of earthquakes. These things remind us we have a living God that created all this that is all powerful. But here's the thing. He knows it all, but he loves you. Fully known and fully loved and amazingly patient. He doesn't grow weary with you. Can you believe that? So when we feel exhausted and depleted, we can remember he is the everlasting God. Verse 30, even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. This is reminding us that even even those that are at their prime, that should just be able to go on forever, even they get tired and exhausted. It'll happen to all of us. And the the combination that really gets us is when you're exhausted and then you put on top of that increased pressure, like many of us have right now, that's what can lead to stumbling and falling. There there are some alarming uh, true stats that have come out of this uh, recent season. Express Scripts said that the use of anti-insomnia anti-anxiety and antidepressant meds have, have spiked and there's all kinds of addiction reports and challenges. I won't go into too much of the details of it with all the kids with us, but you can read these studies because when you're, when you're wrestling in isolation and addiction and, and you lose your normal ways of dealing with things and being with people, you can sometimes run to things that are not good for us. And I've had a lot of pastoral calls and people that just feel basically completely decimated and they just are struggling. And it's not everything everybody. I'm not, this isn't like a, a doomsday thing, but a lot of us are wrestling right now. And there's disillusionment and there's increased anxiety. Um, there, I don't know if you guys saw this and I may address it a little bit more next week, but one, one person sent me a video of a pastor in Kentucky who had like these dreams that he was kind of saying were a prophecy. Has anybody seen that? I'm just curious, at least one or a few. Um, and if you watch that long enough, you're terrified. Am I right? It, he, he made this whole thing about what the next six months are going to look like. Um, and I don't know that guy, and I'm not trying to stand against him. But if you put it up against the scholarly understanding of prophecy in Scripture, it doesn't hold up. So we should not treat it as prophecy from God. We're not doubting his dreams. But if you feed yourself stuff like that enough, it's so doomsday that you can just be terrified like life as is just over. And, and when we get tired and weary like this, you can, again, you can tell because you get mad at people quicker. You lose your own focus quicker. You lash out at others. Um, A lot of our dysfunctional behaviors happen because we are wore out. And you think about maybe the alcoholic who might be saying, man, I'm trying to be free from alcohol, but I'm so exhausted, I'm just gonna drink. Or the person who struggles with finances saying, oh, forget it, I'm just gonna go shopping on Amazon. So easy. 
Or the person who's trying to stay sexually pure but keeps on seeing things and struggling says, just forget it. We can get tired when it doesn't seem like there's a payoff or we get tired when we don't see the results or we get tired when we feel alone. But here's the promise. There's the promise in verse 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. And you may remember the King James Version. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And the idea of waiting on God is a consistent theme throughout all of Scripture. And if we're really honest with ourselves, probably none of us like waiting. Who would say they like waiting right now? Raise your hand. I'm gonna call you out as a liar if you raise your hand right now. So no one raised their hand at home. We don't love waiting, especially when it's something that we really want. And this, this first half of this year has caused us to have to wait for things that we're used to getting quicker. Even fast food is taking longer. Deliveries are slower. We're waiting on news about, what was that? Amazon, yeah, we're waiting on news about reopening. We're waiting. A lot of us have had to cancel vacations and trips. We had to cancel a trip to SoCal. Our first one back was supposed to be in May. It was all set, paid for, sitters, here we go, canceled. So we have to wait even longer. And we don't love waiting, but there is the command to wait on God and it is directly tied to our strength being renewed. So here's our third principle. If you will wait on the Lord, Instead of trying to do it yourself, he will renew your strength. And the text goes on to say, they will soar on wings like eagles. Look at this picture of this eagle soaring at sunset. I love it even at sunset because it's, uh, the end of the day is kind of this beautiful time of realizing this day has gone by and even then we can just rest in whatever has happened. Maybe everything didn't go our way, it rarely does, but we can still put our wings out and catch the wind of the Holy Spirit, if you will, and soar. Eagles are not frantic. They're just soaring on the wind. And eagles will often soar above the storm. So there's a storm actually happening down here. It doesn't change the reality of the storm per se, but the whole perspective is different because we're soaring above it in the posture of trusting God. You know, a few days ago, I came into the uh, church facility, and I noticed there was a, a big, what looked like an eagle feather stuck into those two doors in the floor, pushed in right between the two doors, and then sticking out like at least, I don't know, seven or maybe six or seven or eight inches from the doors, a pretty big feather. And I, I, I texted the staff and a few people that I knew were at the building, and I said, did anyone put this feather here? And everyone said, no, I didn't put the feather there. And I was literally working on my sermon about like soaring as an eagle. I'm like, this is weird. There's a feather here. And I left it. I took pictures of it and left it there. I should have put the picture in the sermon, but I didn't think of it. And I came in the next day and the feather was in the other door. (laughs) So at that point, I realized it was a person and it was not just like some bird flying in there that got a feather stuck and it was on that door. And finally, I thought of our, our neighbors that we've been building a lovely relationship just across the way here. I texted both of them and lo and behold, Uh, The wife, Pam, who we've become good friends with, she said, I found this feather and it was on your property. I was walking around and it's it's the feather of a red-tailed hawk and I just wanted to put it in your door and I thought thought it would be an encouragement to you. And she she even said to me, maybe you can talk about it in your sermon. So if you're watching, Pamela, Pam and Lynn, I'm saying it in my sermon. She said, and, and, and she didn't know I was writing a sermon about soaring on wings like eagles. So I have the feather up in my office now. And look what it continues to say after this. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. That's an amazing promise. I mean, that's exciting. That's how you feel in like third, fourth, fifth grade. You can just run forever. You remember that feeling? It goes away quick. 
And, and that's a great feeling though. And that they, they can walk and not be faint. There's this sense that when we wait on him, when we look up and wait and rely on him, our strength is renewed and we now access his power. So the fourth principle, burnout comes when you are trying to accomplish God's plan in your power. Have you ever tried to do that? Like it's one thing to realize, okay, God wants my family to flourish or I, I, I wanna do good on this test or I wanna treat this person with love in my in place of employment or whatever it is. But trying to fulfill God's plan in your own power is what? Exhausting. Impossible. Have you ever tried to solely live by the fruit of the spirit just for one day? I'm talking only love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Have you ever tried it just for one day? I can guarantee you something. You failed. You can't fully do it. It's not in our human ability, but the Lord is telling us that as we wait on him and we rise on wings like eagles, we can accomplish his plan in his power. There's a great little book called Waiting on God by Andrew Murray, Murray, who's an author that I love. Uh, Bear with me. You can read on the screen. He says this, If salvation indeed comes from God and is entirely his work, just as creation was, it follows as a matter of course that our first and highest duty is to wait on him to do the work that pleases him. Waiting becomes then the only way to the experience of a full salvation, the only way truly to know God as the God of our salvation. All the difficulties that are brought forward as keeping us back from full salvation have their cause in this one thing, the defective knowledge and practice of waiting upon God. All that the church and its members need for the manifestation of the mighty power of God in the world is the return to our true place, the place that belongs to us, both in creation and redemption, the place of absolute and unceasing dependence upon God. What a great phrase, absolute and unceasing dependence upon God. Let us strive to see what the elements are that make up this most blessed and needful waiting upon God. It may help us to discover the reasons why this grace is so little cultivated and to feel how infinitely desirable it is at the church and that we ourselves should at any price learn its blessed secret. He's, he's reminding us none of us had anything to do with our own creation. We were waiting on God and didn't even know we were waiting on God because we, we didn't exist but he created us and knew what was good and perfect and right and beautiful and made you. He's the one who gave you all your gifts, all your ability. He's the one who's brought you to where you are now. So how foolish is it to, at this moment, think that the rest of our life or even just the rest of 2020 depends on us? If we want it to be good and perfect and what God desires for us, our primary posture is to wait on him just like we did on our creation. And then it applies to our salvation, reading on the same quote. It is then because Christians do not know their relation to God of absolute poverty and helplessness that they have no sense of the need of absolute and unceasing dependence or the unspeakable blessedness of continual waiting on God. I know it's a wordy excerpt, but it's so powerful. You know, I love our nation. I love America. I'm thankful for the freedom we have here. Sometimes though, the American dream can lie to us and make us think that we're actually just supposed to be completely self-sufficient. That's not the case. This is reminding us we're actually to have a sense of this utter dependence and helplessness apart from God. So it's not really, we're, it's not really self-made. No, no, no. It's completely God-made and continually to lean on him for what only he can do. Are you tracking with me on that? 
Continuing in this quote, and I'm, I'm almost done with it. Once a believer begins to see it and consent to it, that he by the Holy Spirit must each moment receive what God each moment works. Listen to that line. He must each moment receive what God each moment works. Waiting on God becomes his brightest hope and joy. As he apprehends how God, as God, as infinite love, delights to impart his own nature to his child as fully as he can. How God is not weary of each moment keeping charge of his life and strength. He wonders that he ever thought otherwise of God than as a God to be waited on all the day. God unceasingly giving and working, his child unceasingly waiting and receiving. This is the blessed life. So let it just be a reminder to us that that's our posture. It's humbly waiting on God to do what only he can do. And it doesn't mean we don't do anything. I think you guys understand me there. Waiting on God does not mean sit on the couch and literally don't do anything all day, every day. You will waste away and die and you won't be able to make any money. You won't be able to live. You won't have any relationships, blah, 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 blah. You have to live, but it's the posture of the heart. It's the posture of the heart. I encourage you, you know, go for what's in your heart, but make sure the posture of your heart is Lord. I'm totally reliant on you. This is all you. I can't work anything good on my own. Ultimately, what we're doing is we're putting our faith in Jesus. That's the ultimate declaration of waiting on God. It's saying, I need a savior. I need, I need the one who is perfect to come in and give me a new heart and new mind. I need your salvation. I need your forgiveness. I need you to be the leader of my life. We lay down the rights to lead our own life and he becomes the leader of our life. And that Jesus, whom we follow and serve, In Luke chapter 21, he lists a lot of the things that are gonna happen in the end times and they are scary. They're intense things. But then he gives us this incredible promise in verse 28. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. So that's the challenge. Things will happen. Challenges will come. But when things in your life feel like they're falling apart or are falling apart, look up and wait on God. When our country is divided or tensions are high, look up and wait on God. When you get a bad report from the doctor, look up and wait on God. When you're running on empty, look up and wait on God. In the darkest night, in the brightest day, look up and wait on God. You know, I wanna give thanks to God again uh, for his incredible healing in Jane Mesha's life. Jane is right here in the front. Jane had suffered from narcolepsy and cataplexy intensely for 30 years. And even further back than that to when she was 12 years old, started having signs of it. But we're talking about the loss of so much quality of life. And I've known it for the year and a half that I've known them and they have waited on God. They have continued to look up and I know it hasn't been easy. And I know they haven't felt happy about it. I know they've at times, I'm sure, been just like the psalmist and said, why God? And cried out to God. But as they have waited and continued to look up, now by God's sovereign power and ability, she is walking completely healed. Can you believe it? It's amazing. And we're gonna, we're gonna record this Tuesday her sharing the testimony on film so you guys can all hear the whole story. But just in short, a few weeks ago, her daughter prophesied and said, you're going to be healed. And it got into her heart. Then she showed up here three Sundays ago. And she said that during the service, she felt warmth in her, in her brain. And she felt the presence of God. And then she walked out of that service right here. And I was saying goodbye to her. And she said, I'm walking out. 
can you believe it? And I didn't understand what she meant at first. It's been forever since she was not carried out because she oftentimes couldn't come. She would just collapse. She's carried out. She walked out. And then last Sunday, she walked in right up here on the front again, which by the way, is in and of itself a declaration of faith because she used to never sit up front because she would just collapse and she doesn't want to be a distraction. So she came right up to the front. She grabbed me. She hugged me and she started crying. and said, I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. And she worshiped. Some of you guys were here. She worshiped the whole second service. Like you see in scripture, when someone gets healed of something that they've suffered with their entire life is what she did last Sunday, all service. Then... Of course, we got to share testimony live during the service, and she's walking in the healing. But don't forget, 30 years of waiting on God. 30 years of waiting on God. Continuing to look up, continue to have hope. And the way she described it to me last week, she was saying things like, there is an oppressive darkness all over my life that has been lifted. And I think it's safe to say, she, what she is doing right now is soaring on wings like eagles is what she's doing. It's pretty amazing. So we are celebrating. Also, uh, I'm going to ask uh, Rochelle and Eric to come on back up to the front. This song that we sang a few moments ago, Everlasting God, the one that says strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord, that's written by uh, a man named Brenton Brown, who I believe he's from the UK. He lives out in Santa Monica now where we used to pastor. He's, he's on staff with a friend of mine's church out there. And he wrote this song, Everlasting God, as he was suffering from chronic fatigue syndrome. And he has a whole testimony of how he's trying to raise his kids. He's trying to minister. He's trying to be faithful. But he was always just so incredibly exhausted. And this song for him became a declaration of holding to the promise of renewed strength. And that's what's one of the things that's so beautiful about songwriting. And we have a lot of songwriters here. Is it, it, it puts down forever the promise of God that you're holding to. Like the song that Rochelle shared with us for offering. That song for her personally is a declaration of the faithfulness of God in the middle of what she faces. And so it's like, it marks her life. And this song that, that has now traveled the world, Everlasting God, has been sung in uh, thousands and thousands of churches, is a declaration that in the middle of our depletion, in the middle of our exhaustion, in the middle of our weariness, he is the everlasting God. And as we wait on him, strength will rise. And we have the promise of renewed strength. So I'm gonna pray. We're gonna sing this song. And actually... Let me share one last thing before we sing it. You can just keep playing there for a second. So you guys all know, like me, that our phones and our technology are sometimes our best friends and sometimes our worst enemies, right? It's great when it works, but also technology can drive you crazy when it doesn't work, kind of like lawnmowers with me, you know what I mean? And when it doesn't work, it's just super frustrating. And about a couple weeks ago, my phone stopped working very well when I was in my car. So that meant when I wasn't connected to Wi-Fi, my cellular data plan, which should work fine, I pay a lot of money for it, wasn't working. So I couldn't listen to music on Spotify. I couldn't listen to my podcasts, which for me, I was just frustrated. I'm like, what's wrong with my phone? And it kept on, every time it wouldn't work, a little notification would come up to tell me it wasn't working. But you know how it is. We don't read those notifications. I'm like, okay, I know it's not working. So I'm literally for, for days and days, I was just ignoring the notification and couldn't figure out what was wrong with my phone. I was thinking, it's an iPhone 7. We're all the way up to 11 now. Maybe I need to get rid of this and get a new one. It's all updated, but it's, it's not working anymore. One day in my frustration, I decided when the little notification popped up, let me just read the notification, whatever. And so I looked at it and it said, your cellular data is turned off. If you want to access it, turn it on. And I said, oh, 
My cellular data is turned off. I, that's never been off before. I didn't turn it off. I don't know how it got off. So I went under settings and I, lo and behold, there was one line that said cellular data, pretty easy. And right next to it, it said off. And there was a button and I said on and everything started working beautifully on my phone. It's amazing. Thank you. Don't you have, does, does that build your faith in your pastor or no, it doesn't. Just reading the little instructions. But I think that's kind of like life. Sometimes we can go a long time in our exhaustion and weariness and, and forget to read the instructions, which in the case of our life is the word of God to us. What is the biblical word to us in moments of exhaustion when we feel like our life isn't working? It is to look up and wait and trust him for renewed strength. It's, it's the equivalent of having the button turned off for cellular data. You can't connect. But when you once again return to what God has told us in his word, it's amazing. It doesn't mean everything just perfectly works, but he realigns us. He reminds us. We don't accomplish things in our life in our own power. I'm glad you're going after his plan, but don't try it in your own power. You're going to get real frustrated real fast. Rely on him. Trust him. Trust him with every outcome in your life as you, as you rely on his power and his strength. And I'm praying that uh, today your strength will be renewed and that you will just step into that promise. Let's stand together. Lord, um, I thank you for every person here. I thank you that you are faithful to us, even when we don't know what to do, even when we are like me and we fail to read the instructions that are so plain before us. Remind us today to go back and read the instructions. Let's not pretend like we already know it. Let's fill ourselves with your word, Lord. Help us to treasure your word. Help us to, our minds to be filled with your truth, our hearts to be filled with what you have said. Everyone else in the world is saying so many things, but we wanna build our lives on what you have said, Lord. So remind us to look at the notifications and to help that inform how we live. Help that inform how we obey your commands. Help, help that inform how we live a lifestyle of repentance in the posture of waiting. And we give you thanks for your renewed strength today. Uh, we're gonna sing this song again, Everlasting God. Let's just hold to it as a promise. I'm praying you are filled with renewed strength this week. Um, it's funny, when you try to worship while holding your four, almost five-year-old, five you need new strength. Like my arm is falling asleep right now. You know what I mean? You're trying to worship with one hand while hold. What do you think? <laughs> what do you think? Nothing. All right. Um, I'm going to pray this benediction over you. We'll be dismissed. Let's go first rows first through, the, through those back entrances there. If you need to swing back around and use the bathroom, that's fine. My brothers and sisters, look for Jesus. Seek him as a treasure in this great wide world. Seek him in the eyes of your loved ones and in the eyes of strangers. May your heart burn within you as the Lord draws close to you this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Love you guys. Have a great afternoon. See you guys next week.